You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont, bringing you another edition of the Nest Talk podcast, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the entire internet. But you know that already. That is why you are here listening to this lovely show being recorded a day late and a dollar short, October 19th, not the 18th. Uh, So this is Saturday, October 19th at about 1128 in the morning. I apologize for not getting out yesterday. Uh, We had some difficulties doing so. I'm not in my usual recording studio. Um, And our neighbors next door decided that they had to have a new roof on their house, which meant all day yesterday banging, screws going in, drills. I mean, it was definitely not anything I could record in uh, to have any clear audio quality, so I apologize for that, Um, and I do hope to have the episode on time next week. But um, I think we still have plenty of talk to talk about today. Quite a lot, actually, to talk about. Um, There's plenty to do. Um, But before we get into all of our nitty-gritty of the episode here, I do want to take over some housekeeping things with you guys. Um, and the first is, if you like the Nest Talk podcast, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're listening on YouTube. If you're listening on iTunes, subscribe to the iTunes show. It helps us out a lot. It puts it right in your inbox. I'm sorry, not your inbox. It puts it on your subscription list. So when a new episode is published, you'll get it on YouTube, right into your recommendations. You'll get it into iTunes on your iTunes library every Friday, assuming it's not, um, you know, a day late like this. If you want to know if the Nest Talk podcast is having any difficulty, you can follow us at Nest Talk on Twitter. If anything is going differently in the schedule, I'll post it there. Yesterday I posted that it was going to be recorded late um, last night, but that didn't happen. Um, so here we are this morning, which is fine. Um, you can find us at Be More Feather on Twitter as well. You can find us on Facebook. Although if you're trying to communicate with us, please don't use Facebook. Um, it, it has issues where I don't see messages for like two weeks sometimes. Not the best, not the best way to contact us. If you want to contact us, you just email us info at baltimorefeather.com. That can be found uh, on the Baltimore Feathers website as well. There's a little contact form there. So if you are trying to contact Nest Talk, we did have someone try to contact Nest Talk, believe it or not, a few weeks ago. That message was not shown to me until like two weeks afterwards. So I mean, it's it's definitely not the best way, Facebook. Um, but if you want to find us on Facebook, you can get the Nest Talk posts there. Um, on the Nest Talk page. If you search up Nest Talk, you can find it, like it, follow it. All the new podcasts will be published there. You just click on it and go. Of course, you can also find Nest Talk. Um, uh, I'm sorry, you can find the Baltimore Feather on Facebook as well. That's just Baltimore Feather. Uh, look up that and you'll find the ability to like it, follow it. You'll get all the latest Ravens articles there as well. You can find me at Chris Linfon on Twitter. That's my personal Twitter handle. Don't talk about just Ravens on there. Other things as well. And, of course, to finish it all off, you can subscribe to the email list on the Baltimore Feather website, baltimorefeather.com, that puts all the latest Ravens news and opinion articles that I write into your email inbox. So even if there's a new Nest Talk, it'll go straight to your email inbox. If there's a new, if there's a breaking news story like Marcus Peters when he was traded for and you're not on Twitter all day like I am, right, you know, if you're not addicted to Twitter like the rest of society and you just want to know what's going on, uh, an email list subscription can definitely help you. It'll put it right in your email inbox. And a Marcus Peters trade will go right to your email. So you check your email and you're like, whoa, we just traded for Marcus Peters, which is exactly what happened. And of course, we'll talk about that um, in this week's episode of Nest Talk. This is episode 49, by the way, again, being recorded on October 19th, uh, 2019 at 1132 in the morning at this point. So very, very interesting stuff going on this week. Uh, And that's going to wrap up our housekeeping, and we're going to jump into this interesting stuff that happened this week. But of course, we're going to start off with injuries. It's definitely not my favorite part of the show, but it's got to get covered. The Baltimore Ravens always have injuries. It's just, you know, how football is played. It's a violent sport here. And of course, we try to start every show telling you what the injuries are before the upcoming game. And tomorrow, the Baltimore Ravens will take on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle, one of the loudest environments in the entire NFL. Um, so they're actually going to play in the two loudest environments this season, Kansas City and Seattle. Um, and they may be without some people. So the Ravens injury report does not have the Friday um, practice list, but I do have it. Um, thank you to Jeff Zrebeck, who posts all of this on Twitter. You follow him at Jeff Zrebeck uh, on Twitter. That's G J E F F 
Z-R-E-B-I-E-C on Twitter, and he is probably the best Ravens insider. I get a lot of information from him. Um, so, I mean, the, the most important thing to know about the Ravens players that did not participate in practice on Friday. Marquise Brown did not participate with an ankle injury. Patrick Onwaso also did not participate with an ankle injury. Maurice Kennedy is day-to-day with a thigh. He did not participate. And Anthony Averett is out with an ankle injury as well. The Ravens' Pernell McPhee uh, was not was not at practice, did not participate, but traditionally, according to Jeff Zriebeck, he gets a vet day off on Friday. So that's not really um, significant in looking at the injuries for, um, for for Sunday. Now, the official, the, the, I can't speak today, the actual official injury report uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, We again, we don't have the Friday numbers here, but we do have that, we do have Thursday practices and who did not participate, who did participate. So Marquise Brown did not participate on Thursday uh, with that ankle injury. Uh, Maurice Kennedy with a thigh injury did not participate. Brandon Carr did not participate on Wednesday, but was a full participant in Thursday's practice. It wasn't injury-related. Mark Ingram didn't participate on Wednesday either, but he was not. He was out with a non-injury-related whatever it is. Uh, he was a full participant in Thursday's practice. Patrick Nwasso did not practice Wednesday or Thursday or Friday with that ankle injury. Ronnie Stanley had a knee injury, did not participate in Wednesday's practice, but was limited in Thursday. He could play, maybe he doesn't play, we don't know yet. Um, Earl Thomas did not participate in Wednesday's practice. It's like a theme for him, not participating in Wednesday's practice, but it's never injury-related because he was a full participant in Thursday's practice. Jimmy Smith is back at practice again this week. He, with his knee injury, was limited in both Wednesday and Thursday. I believe he was limited on Friday as well. Don't expect him to play, though, this Sunday. Brandon Williams, non-injury-related absence in Thursday's practice. Uh, and Anthony Averett did not participate in Thursday's practice with an ankle injury. He did not participate on Friday's practice as well. So what does this all mean? Well, John Harbaugh said he won't rule out Marquise Brown or Patrick Onwaso from playing, but they haven't played, they haven't practiced at all this week. They didn't practice part of last week, I believe. They didn't play in last week's game. So Marquise Brown and Patrick Onwaso, I personally don't expect to play, um, which is which is a problem. The Ravens definitely want Marquise Brown in. I mean, he had a fantastic first couple games. He's been kind of up and down since then. Um, and with this injury, I mean, questions of his longevity are being relate, raised on this with Marquise Brown because, of course, you have um, the, the Lins-Frank foot injury he came into the league with. Now he's dealing with the ankle injury on the opposite leg. Um, so that's definitely not a good sign there, but hopefully he can get through this before next week's game. Actually, they have a bye week next week, before the Patriots game, November 3rd, which is huge. They need Marquise Brown to play in that game. Patrick Onwaso, I mean, the inside linebackers group, group is a mess, but LJ Fort and Josh Bynes are holding it down pretty well. I don't think he'll pre- play on Sunday. This is just my intuition. I don't have specific sources telling me this, um, but I think that he's probably not going to play. Now, Mark, Maurice Kennedy, Anthony Averett, two cornerbacks here that might might or might not play. I mean, I kind of doubt they'll both play. Anthony Averett has been inactive for weeks now, um, you know, after being burned a few times. And Maurice Kennedy had a few good plays in some good games, but he hasn't been the cornerback the Baltimore Ravens want, cornerback the Baltimore Ravens need. And with Marcus Peters obviously going to play a lot in Sunday's game, they don't really need that depth anymore with Brandon Carr in there as well. They have three healthy corners that are going to be important for them, and they've got Bennett Jackson, who we'll talk about in a second now as well. Um, Regarding Jimmy Smith, I don't think he's going to play. He's limited in practice, but you know, coming back from that knee injury, they don't want to rush him in. They don't want to make it worse than it is, so I don't think he's going to play, uh, even though he was limited in practice. I'm going to wait till he's a full participant in practice before I give him the green light on, on coming back into the game. If I'm horrible... Um, Everybody else, though, looks like they'll probably play. I think Brandon Williams, well, obviously Brandon Williams will play. He was a non-injury-related absence. Um, there's really no one else I'm doubtful for on playing. I mean, Ronnie Stanley, you have the, the, the possibility he doesn't play at left tackle, but I do think he will play. I don't think he's going to miss this important game, especially since he was limited at practice, not completely out of practice on Thursday, and he was again in practice on Friday, although I don't know if he was limited or a full participant. Um, moving on, of course, you know about the Deshaun Elliott injury, which is very bad news for the Baltimore Ravens. Deshaun Elliott had a knee injury. I don't think we know exactly what it was. It could have been ACL, could have been MCL, could have been a, 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 a PCL injury. 
we're not exactly sure, but Deshaun Elliott was placed on the IR with that knee injury, and it looks like he's going to be out for the season. That is the initial prognosis here. We'll find out more as the season goes on. He is, of course, eligible if the Ravens deem him eligible to return. They don't have to do that right now. They can do that at a later date. Um, I believe they only have a few eligible spots, though. They can't make everybody eligible coming off the IR, so assuming someone else comes off the IR, um, you know, it, it, it would it, it could take away a spot that Elliot could use. Um, and the Ravens ended up signing Bennett Jackson to fill a spot. This wasn't exactly the move a lot of people expected. Some people were thinking Eric Berry. Um, but Bennett Jackson is a good move, and the reason I say that is he spent the previous two off-seasons with the Baltimore Ravens. He knows the system. Um, and he's, you know, he's going to be able to make an impact early because he knows his system. He knows the vernacular of the team. Um, and ultimately he's going to, to really fill this gap here, uh, at the safety position. He's not going to be a starter, obviously, but he's going to fill a gap here. Um, because Chuck Clark is going to take over as the starter, the full-time starter. There were some alternating things I did with Chuck Clark in the game. Um, who do we play last week? The Cincinnati Bengals, uh, there, were, there were some things they did against the Cincinnati Bengals with Chuck Clark coming down into the box while Sean Elliott was playing safety over top. Not so much anymore. Chuck Clark is going to be the undisputed um, starter at the safety position that Deshaun Elliott would have been starting at because Tony Jefferson would have been starting at, um, you know, actually Deshaun Elliott wouldn't have been starting at the position, but the, the, the combination of the two would be taking over that position. Now it's just Chuck Clark. And the good thing about Chuck Clark is he he has the green dot responsibilities. And I went over this last week. He called the... Well, he didn't call the plays. But he relayed the play information from the sideline to the defense. And, you know, that's not easy to do. With all that information coming to to you, repeating it, making sure everybody knows what their assignments are, understanding the defense completely. This is the the role that um, Eric Weddle and C.J. Mosley used to have. It's now on Chuck Clark. So that tells you something that the Ravens really love Chuck Clark. They think he's a very smart player. And I think he's very smart, too take back what I said about him in 2017 coming out of the draft um you know he's developing into a solid safety here and the Ravens really need him to play well with Tony Jefferson out Tony Jefferson obviously a lot of people were unhappy with Jefferson playing I can't say I was one of them I I mean there were plays there were games where I was shaking my head but I think overall he's been a net positive for the Ravens but you know at the end of the day, they have to move on at this point through the season. Tony Jefferson or no Tony Jefferson, they got to keep playing. And Chuck Clark is going to have to fill that role now without Bennett Jack. I'm sorry, without Deshaun Elliott. But he's got Bennett Jackson to help, who Harbaugh says he wants to get involved in this 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 defense, which will be interesting to see what John Harbaugh and, and Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, come up with to get Bennett Jackson involved and make him essentially worth the signing. They don't want him to just be a depth guy in that secondary. They need that secondary to improve. They want Bennett Jackson to be part of, of the secondary and, and make an impact back there. Now, in a related move, the Ravens released safety A.J. Howard. This is a guy I thought the Ravens could sign from the practice squad. Uh, they released A.J. Howard from the practice squad, and they signed defensive back Denzel Rice to the unit. Not much really to, to worry about here. It's just another practice squad movement, um, but it does show you that the Ravens are, are really serious about who is going to be in their practice squad um, as a defensive back moving forward because this defensive backs group has been hit very hard um, with injuries all all, all season long. Um, and the Ravens don't want to continue on with these problems. They want to make sure they have people ready to go. And Denzel Rice is now the next man up, assuming the Ravens have to bring him up at some point. Um, that is, is, is hopefully not going to happen, though. The Ravens do not want to have to bring Denzel Rice up to the 53-man roster because someone else got injured. And who could that person, you know, be, though, to save the entire secondary group at this point? Is it going to be Jimmy Smith? Well, Jimmy Smith is coming back in a few weeks, so maybe. But here's the real news, and this is the news everybody went nuts over this past week. And that's Marcus Peters, the Marcus Peters, the two-time Pro Bowler, 2015 Defensive Player of the Year, only like 26 years old, I believe. The Baltimore Ravens traded for Marcus Peters, gave up a 2025th round draft pick, and Kenny Young to get a two-time Pro Bowler. PFF ranks him in the top 15 of corners in the league right now. Marcus Peters has, I think, 24 interceptions in his career in just under five years. I mean, this is a huge move for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, here's the deal, though. You might be asking yourself why the price was only a fifth rounder in Kenny Young. 
Well, first of all, the LA Rams, who uh, Marcus Peters was on after being traded from the Kansas City Chiefs a couple years ago, they demanded Kenny Young for some reason. I mean, they're short of inside linebacker. They needed somebody like Young to come into this team and produce for them. And Kenny Young, you know, he's a guy that really wasn't fitting in this Ravens defense. He wasn't really doing much to give the defense an edge. He was replaced by Josh Bynes and LJ Fort. So the Ravens really weren't using him anymore. And bringing in Marcus Peters for Kenny Young and the 2025th round draft pick is amazing. Now, here's the reason it's even more amazing than you might think. It's a bold move from DaCosta, first point. The Baltimore Ravens, I mean, it's, it's a huge move. It's bold. The Baltimore Ravens are in win-now mode, and we'll talk about that in a little bit here. Um, but, you know, it's a bold move because he's a pending free agent, which means he's only going to be here for 10 games. Now, the Ravens can obviously go out and sign Marcus Peters to a contract extension after the season, during the season, whenever they want. If they want Marcus Peters back next year, they can sign him to a contract extension. Here's the problem with that. The Ravens have to also give Marlon Humphrey a contract extension this summer, this offseason. Now, they don't have to. He's still under contract, but the idea is DeCosta is going to want to wrap him up. Judon might be coming back with the contract extension. Um, Ronnie Stanley wants a contract extension. He wants to stay in Baltimore. The Ravens want him back. Extension's going to happen as long as they can negotiate the price down. That We don't need another C.J. Mosley situation walking out on us. Those are three guys that the Ravens are going to want to pay. And these are talents that were all drafted by Baltimore. It would be a very, very bad look if the Baltimore Ravens went out and said, you know what, Matt Judon, you know what, Ryan Stanley, uh, you guys aren't getting contract extensions because we're going to extend this guy we just traded for this year, Marcus Peters. Even though you guys are, are, are fantastic players, even though you're, you're important to our team, we can't give you the contract extension because we're giving Marcus Peters $15 million. Or whatever it is, whatever number they come up with, fifteen million for you know three years would be ridiculously low. It's probably more akin to fifteen a year. <laughs> um, so with that being said, you know what are the Ravens going to do here with this contract with Marcus Peters? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think the Ravens know either. I mean, this is this is win now mode essentially. The Ravens, it's, it's cautious win now. I had a debate with some people on Twitter about this. It's cautious win now, and you guys can let me know if you think they're in win now mode. But they're getting rid of long-term projects and Kenny Young in this fifth rounder. And they're trading it for someone who's going to be here for 10 games and might get a contract extension, might go away. Um, but here's the cool point about Marcus Peters' trade. You give up Kenny Young. Okay, he wasn't doing much for us. You give up a fifth-round draft pick from 2020. If you remember, the Baltimore Ravens got a free 2020 fifth-round pick from the Minnesota Vikings for Corey Vedvik, who they ended up cutting. They just got a free fifth-round pick. They're trading in one of these fifth-round picks, so essentially a freebie fifth-round pick, and Kenny Young for Marcus Peters. And then, on top of that, if they don't sign Marcus Peters to a long-term deal, and Marcus Peters walks, they get a compensatory pick, which most people would assume is a fourth-round pick in the 2021 draft. So essentially, the Ravens have put themselves in a position. This is where Eric Dacosta is a plain genius. The Ravens have put them in position, themselves in the position, to where they can either sign Marcus Peters to a long-term deal, and that fifth-rounder and Kenny Young are like peanuts for the compensation they're getting with Marcus Peters, or they let Marcus Peters walk, and they get a fourth-round pick in return. They're essentially just trading in Kenny Young either for a two-time Pro Bowler, former defensive player of the year, rookie defensive player of the year in 2015, so he's not that old to begin with, and keeping him long-term, or they're getting a fourth-round pick that they're trading in a player they weren't using and a fifth-round pick for. I mean, this is the genius of Eric DaCosta. Eric DaCosta, as much as I love Ozzie Newsome, you, you have to be excited every time he makes a move. Every time he makes a phone call, this Ravens organization gets excited because everything Eric DaCosta has done so far has been phenomenal. There's not a move that I can think of right now that I disagree with. Signing Mark Ingram 
15 million over three years. That's a five million dollar per year cap hit. You know, if you average that, I don't know what the, I don't know what the exact per year is. There are people out there saying that was a terrible move when it happened. Are you laughing now? Are you making fun of Eric DaCosta now for paying 15 million over three years to Mark Ingram, our leading rusher? That dude's a beast. I told you. I told you all he was going to be good. Some of you didn't believe me. And here we are now, in October of 2019, halfway done with October, and and Mark Ingram is running like a maniac out there. Earl Thomas was a good move. I mean, he hasn't been the player we need. He hasn't been the ball hawk. But it was a good move. I mean, at that point, it was a good move. And this certainly is a fantastic move. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move on from Kenny Young. I understand that Kenny Young was a long-term project. But the Ravens, we are in win-now mode. And again, people are debating me, vehemently opposing the notion that the Ravens are in win-now mode. But to be in win-now mode does not mean you have to win with... You have to trade in all your draft picks. You have to put all the chips on the table and say, we're winning this season the Super Bowl, Super Bowl or bust. That's not what win-now mode is. That's not the Ravens' version of win-now. The Ravens really... I mean, the last time I think the Ravens were in win-now would be 2014, maybe, when they yeah, get Steve Smith, some of the other guys that come in in free agency. Um, the Ravens think they have a roster that can compete for a Super Bowl. I'm not saying by in win, by going into win-now mode, the Baltimore Ravens are going out and are going to to trade in all their first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey, which is stupid. It's stupid to trade in your first-round picks. Two of them, the LA Rams are trading in for Jalen Ramsey, when you had Marcus Peters to begin with. That's a slight upgrade. That's not going to fix the larger problem of the Los Angeles Rams. I guarantee you it won't. That's a stupid move. The Ravens aren't dumb. The Ravens see where the value is, they, they, they get that value, and they better their team. And the cool thing about this move long-term also is, and I know I'm all over the place on this, because, but it's a lot of information I want to get across here, Long term, if it's if it's Marcus Peters long term, if the Ravens decide we want Marcus Peters to stay around for a long time here, they can cut Jimmy Smith. I don't even know if Jimmy Smith's under contract next year. Jimmy Smith can go. And I'm not trying to be mean about Jimmy Smith, but he's not reliable, he's not dependable, he's not going to stay on the field every year like this. I mean it's injury after injury after injury after injury with Jimmy Smith at this point in his career. It's always he's always had injury problems, but you cannot Um you simply can't um, rely on Jimmy Smith anymore. He's a great player, but you can't rely on him. And and right now, I mean, with all these injuries, he's going to have to go after this year. He's 32 next year, something like that. You can use a lot of that Jimmy Smith money to sign Marcus Peters back if you, you know, you want to extend some of the other guys first, whatever. If you can find the money to do it, fine. And I think it would be a good thing. Marcus Peters, young Marcus Peters, and young uh, Marlon Humphrey back there, cornerback duo. Think about that. For the next four or five years, let's say, if they extend both those guys, holy moly, like, you know, that's insane to think about, okay? And Eric DaCosta, frankly, is a genius. He's putting the Ravens in win-now mode, not selling the bank for them to get to win-now mode. He's The offense is running well. And, and, and the one complaint I have about the offense is it's not scoring enough points. And I'm gonna. I was gonna write a, an article this week about it, but honestly, I didn't have the time. It's been a very busy week. The Ravens' offense doesn't score enough points. They put up fantastic yardage numbers, but they only scored 23, 26 points a game. You don't run for. You don't. You don't have 430 yards on the on the offense or 450, whatever it is, and then only score 20 some points a game, like 23, 26. It doesn't add up. But with a stellar defense, it won't matter how many points the Ravens score because they'll they'll chip away the time of possession score on a certain percentage of all of their drives, a high percentage on all their drives. And essentially, if it's a good defense, if it's if, if, if they get a pass rush, that's the biggest thing now is pass rush. We need someone to get in there and pressure the quarterback. If that comes around with Marcus Peters, with Marlon Humphrey, with Jimmy Smith coming back, with Brandon Carr back there, and a healthy Maurice Kennedy, because let's face it, Maurice Kennedy has done good when he's healthy. He obviously wasn't healthy in that Bengals game. He was starting to get burned at the end and. But when he was healthy this year, I mean, he's been spot, spot on, which is insane to say. But Maurice Kennedy's had a good year. With all those guys, this is a complete no-fly zone. And I don't know what quarterback can throw into it. And that's why Eric DeCosta's a genius, because 
He is not mortgaging the entire future. He is only making sure his moves to put the Ravens in win-now mode for this season to get to compete for Super Bowl. I'm not going to say they're going to go win the Super Bowl. They're not spending all their picks on players right now. That's never how the Ravens have operated. Ozzie Newsom never did that. The Ravens are always cautious about it, and they've won Super Bowls. I'm not one of those guys who will say, yeah, let's just mortgage everything now, everything for the future, for right now. That's stupid. You look at Belichick, tell me how many times Belichick spends his first-round picks on trades. Mortgages the entire future. You tell me how many times Belichick does it. If you come back and tell me he does it, maybe I'll consider, but he doesn't. and He wins more Super Bowls than anybody else. So... Let's not play the game like, well, to be in win-now mode, you have to just throw everything out in the future into the wind and try to win right now on everything and get the most players you could possibly get. That's not how it works. Eric DaCosta is a genius because Eric DaCosta understands this. He knows what the Ravens need to do. He knows what they need to improve on. He knows how they can get the best bang for his buck, and he knows how to finesse it with these comp picks because, again... To end this this talk about Marcus Peters, Peters, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, he gets a fourth-round pick in exchange for essentially Kenny Young, who they drafted in the fourth round a few years ago. So they're, they're just trading him in. Think about that. That's, 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 that's amazing. This dude is a flat wizard. Anyway, to get off Marcus Peters, and what, what actually, what's Marcus Peters' impact going to be? He's going to be a very good cornerback for the Ravens. There are people out there who are saying, you know, Marcus Peters wasn't great for the LA Rams this year. And, you know, he had bad moments. But he puts people on lock. Okay? And as a number two cornerback, because he's not taking Marlon's number one. Marlon is the king of corners right now. He's not taking Marlon's number one. As a number two, he's going at the second best receivers. You think Marcus Peters can't put them on lock? I mean, it's, it's ludicrous to say Marcus Peters won't be a good player for the Baltimore Ravens. It's absolutely stupid to say that. It's just dumb. Anyway, moving on now. The Baltimore Ravens have a number switch. This barely happens midseason, but it happens because Marcus Peters comes in. and Peters wanted to be somewhere in the 20s. And Brandon Carr was nice enough to give him 24. Carr goes back to his rookie number 39. Thought I should just mention that. Shout out to Brandon Carr for being everybody's favorite player in the National Football League for being such a good guy. And here he goes again, giving up his number for a new teammate. Uh, helps out that chemistry in the locker room, that's for sure. Uh, another piece of Ravens news we got to talk about. Anquan Bolden retired to Baltimore Raven. This was a, was a surprise to most Um because they, I, I don't know if they had any information about it beforehand, but the first time I heard about it was in the stadium uh, Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals in pregame. All of a sudden, they have Anquan Bolden. He's a legend of the game. He comes on the screen saying, "Today I'm retire, or tomorrow I'm retiring, a Baltimore Raven." Uh, so he would retire on Monday, and the entire stadium went nuts immediately. No one actually knew that he was going to do this. So I'm imagining, you know, I'm, I'm pretty darn sure no one else said this. Out there, no one else indicated that Anquan Bolden would do this. Um, it's just a nice token. I mean, he was a, a huge impact from 2010 to 2012. And honestly, I mean, trading him away after 2012, I mean, there had to be some sort of claw. The, the, the Harbaugh brothers must have signed their name in blood or something on some sort of contract because, you know, you don't, just don't trade away your number one receiver for a low-round draft pick like that, right, to the team that you just beat in the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced that the Harbaugh brothers said, okay, well, if I win, I'll give you a player. If you win, I I get a player, right? Maybe that, I mean, honestly, maybe that's what happened because that doesn't make any sense. And the Ravens should not have traded away Anquan Bolden after 2012. They should not have. That offense in 2013 sucked because there was no Anquan Bolden. Let's be real. Let's be real. You take away number one receiver and you give, you give Flacco, I mean, no offense to Torrey Smith. I love me some Torrey Smith. But Torrey Smith isn't the kind of guy Anquan Bolden was. They're two wildly different receivers. There was no Anquan Bolden on that team. There was no guy who was just going to rip a ball through, from the air and, and, and truck somebody, right? Hit a back shoulder throw like that. Torrey Smith is your burner. Jacoby was your possession guy. Pitta was there being an amazing tight end. 
Anquan was your number one receiver. It was the perfect receiving core for Flacco. And that was his last good receiving core. I mean, 2014 was good, but it wasn't It wasn't that. And you take that away, and you get the 2013 offense. And to make matters worse, that was, you know, Ray Rice's last year. was a complete decline in his play. I mean, Flacco had a, had a very lame receiver group. Marlon Brown had like 600 rushing, I mean, rushing, receiving yards that year. And then he fell off the face of the earth. So, I mean, that just tells you the kind of craziness that was. And Harbaugh and Ozzie Newsom acknowledged that they, probably, they, they shouldn't have traded Anquan Bolden. They agreed that they shouldn't have done that. And things would have been different. And honestly, I think if Anquan Bolden stayed with the Baltimore Ravens, if he was not traded, and he just played out the rest of his career with Baltimore, first of all, I mean, he'd be in the Ravens' ring of honor. Second of all, um... I think the Ravens would have made the playoffs in 2013. It wasn't wasn't a a if I remember correctly. I mean, it was a while ago now. Jeez, um, it was not a tough AFC. They were in the con. They were in in the contest in Week 17 against the Bengals. They lost. I think the Ravens make the playoffs in 2013. I think it's it's a good team. In years, it wasn't a good team. I think Flacco has better years. I think Flacco is more comfortable in the offense in long term. And who knows? Maybe they want another Super Bowl somewhere. Maybe Anquan Bolden is the guy. I mean, maybe they don't sign, um, uh, not Jimmy Smith, Steve Smith. Maybe they don't sign Steve Smith. Maybe they don't. But maybe they make the Super Bowl in 2014. They were close. Maybe they make the playoffs in 2015. I mean, the injuries didn't help. But they got off to a bad start with only a couple injuries. But I do really appreciate Anquan Bolden. It wasn't his choice to leave Baltimore. He always loved Baltimore. He said he wanted to retire in Baltimore. Should never have traded him. Uh, I'm happy he retired as a Raven. It, it's really, really an honor to have him back in Baltimore and, and really to see him considering Baltimore his his team. He looked best in purple and black anyway. But I'll never forget that Super Bowl catch he had early in the game. Over the middle with Flacco. What a fantastic game. What a fantastic player. What a fantastic man. Anquan Bolton's one of the best men in the NFL too. Look up his charity efforts if you haven't, if you don't know about it. Fantastic guy. Um, moving on from Anquan Bolden, I do want to mention that the ball, some Baltimore Feather news before we go into some other topics here. The Baltimore Feather is now an affiliate of FOCO. Um, I just want to make sure everyone's aware of this, what this means. If you don't know what FOCO is, they essentially are a company based in New Jersey. They, they, they have official NFL, MLB, NBA, and I think NHL licensed products. Um, bobbleheads, team gear, that kind of thing. They reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and, and asked me if I'd be interested in, in an affiliate partnership with them, advertising their products on my website. I get compensation. I do get compensation for this at this point. For every sale that I help make them, um, that I help them get, I get a percentage of that revenue. Um, and I just want to let you guys know, you know, I'm not trying to be greedy or selling out on this. I, I wrote a whole thing on BaltimoreFeather.com about what this means. The content's always going to be free. Everything's going to basically stay the same, except we're going to try and monetize the website a little bit. I want to make the website better. I think if I make enough money, I could potentially hire actual, you know, other writers. So, you know, the website isn't completely dependent on my writing, which means I would have more time to focus on the podcast, more time to focus on developing the website into something else. Not something else, but making it better, more easier. I mean, you know, I haven't, I don't have the time exactly to be podcast host, writer, editor, marketer, web developer producer, everything, and and do the absolute best job possible. I'm doing the best job possible under my circumstances, but I do think with a small influx of money for the Baltimore Feather, we can make it a much better website for everyone who reads it. I can make these podcasts much better for better equipment, maybe make an actual studio, um, you know, better intros, get bumpers, you know, that kind of thing. All the money I get from this is actually being poured back in the website. I'm not pocketing any any of it. Um, so, I mean, if you see it, please don't think, you know, I'm selling out or anything. I'm just trying, essentially, to make the website viable for the future. Uh, because it does cost money to actually run. I have never made money off of this website. The only time I had an advertising deal was one sponsored post uh, last year by a local Maryland business. Um, and that was it. And, you know... I lose, I, it's, I, I'm not complaining, you know, I'm not trying to say, well, you know, woe is me, I'm losing money, I do this because I like it, you know, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't do it, but the idea of being able 
potentially make it better beyond what it is right now um, into something that's viable long term and maybe maybe make you know a business out of it maybe make you know get a few writers on board and, and make the absolute best content for everybody available and have dialogue between Ravens fans it's something I want to see if it can happen and I think this is the first step into doing that I mentioned on Twitter a few weeks ago there's there's some things I want to do with the website finding a, an affiliate partnership with a reputable brand is one of them you know I had yeah, I'm not trying to rehash this whole article. If you read it, then you kind of understand some of these points already. But I have to mention that I had advertising offers from from some teams, not teams, from um, companies out there, specifically um, gambling companies. And I had a few, more than a few actually, five, six, seven in the past year. Um, I turned every single one down. And the reason I did that is because I don't want to promote gambling on the Baltimore Feather or any of its affiliates or I'm sorry, subsidiaries and, you know, Nest Talk or Goal Line Stands. I didn't want to do that because frankly, it's not my place to tell someone whether or not to gamble. Um, it's a personal decision. I don't really necessarily have, you know, a moral stance on it myself. I think if it's your money you could do what you want with it, but I'm not gonna coax any of our players, uh any of our I'm sorry, I'm thinking too much Ravens here. Any of our readers, any of our listeners into gambling, I don't think that would be right. That wouldn't be, um, you know, it just wouldn't be right for me to do. It's, it's not my place. Um, but but with the difference with, with FOCO is FOCO, you know, has a large, reputable business. They make quality products. You know, um, they're good. They're things that Ravens fans want. You're getting a good deal for your money. Um and honestly, I'm more comfortable with a business like that partnering long-term with uh, as an affiliate than I am, you know, promoting, you know, some gambling website in some sketchy area. I mean, some of them weren't even from the U.S. Some of them were Canadians that you would go to the website and, and it would be like, well, you know, you might not be able to access this in your country. And I'm thinking to myself, nope, we're out. Anytime I got a gambling, you know, proposal, it had to be at least seven or eight times in all honesty. I just turned it down. I couldn't do it. Um, so again, I mean, if you want to browse Foco's products, first you should go to Baltimore Feather to do it and click on the link to Foco uh, on the bottom of the page. The reason I say that is because, again, every sale uh, from Foco, if you if you make a purchase, if it's something you like, um, right now I'm helping them promote their Lamar Jackson's bobblehead, which is honestly the coolest thing in the world. It's got these, like, raven's wings on the back of it. I mean, it's sick. I'm, I'm actually getting getting one in the mail uh, this week, which, which I'm really happy about. Uh, we'll get to see what it actually looks like, unbox it. Maybe I'll do a video or something on it, but you know, it's, they have some cool products on there. And if you do it through my website, it's no cost to you and it helps the Baltimore feather out. And again, all money's getting be put back into this marketing, um, better quality, um, maybe recording equipment in the future, new bumpers, soundtracks, whatever I think is necessary to improve the Baltimore Feather and all of the subsidiaries and the podcasts in the future. That's where the money is going to go. And you can check that out by going to BaltimoreFeather.com, finding the link to FOCO. There's actually a, a link for the bobblehead, too, if you're specifically interested in that bobblehead, uh, and checking them out. And, of course, you don't have to buy anything. But if there is something you like, make sure you use our affiliate link. It helps us out tremendously. Um, moving on now, I was asked a question. I said, I said in the previous episode, I want us to get some questions in. Uh, and our first question, and our only question for this week, actually, comes from um, Mr. Donovan Sales Sr. Shout out to Donovan Sales Sr., man. I, I know you're listening, dude, because you listen to everything. Every time I get, I post a podcast, you're always in those comments being super supportive. Um, you and some other people in there that I always keep seeing giving me supportive comments, you know, asking questions, having good Ravens dialogue. It's always fun to have, have, have a lot of talk in those comments. But he asked me a question and, and a comment, and I think I responded to him. Uh, he, says, he says, quote, I 100% agree with you about Marlon. And, and for those of you that don't know, I, I said Marlon is one of the best cornerbacks, if not the best cornerback in the league last week. Um, but then he said, but I keep hearing about the past Gil, Gilmore. What do you think? And that's a good question, Donovan, because Gilmore... Um, you know, a lot of people really like Stephon Gilmore. And I like Stephon Gilmore a lot. He's a very good corner. I mean, you saw him go up against Golden Tate. If you watched the game um, Sunday Night Football a couple weeks ago, the New York Giants. And Golden Tate is a good possession receiver. He's not the best receiver in the world, but he's good. But they had this, like, highlight reel 
of Stefan Gilmore on him. And, you know, someone on Twitter said he was like a gnat because he just is always there. You can't get away from him. And honestly, I agree. Stefan Gilmore is 100% one of the best corners in the league. Absolutely. But, did Stefan Gilmore lock down OBJ? Did Stefan Gilmore lock down Juju Smith Houston next week? Don't think so. I mean, it's difficult at times to compare side by side Marlon and, and Stefan. Because you really need to dive super deep into the tape. Because they're similar players. They're both lockdown corners. They both can sit on an island. And they're both in the top three, top two. I mean, it's got to be one or the other at this point. But maybe I'm biased. But I certainly think that Marlon Humphrey is the best cornerback in the NFL right now. How many players in back-to-back weeks can lock up Odell Beckham Jr.? And then Juju Smith-Schuster. How many? How many players are that good? I mean, maybe Gilmore can do it. I'm sure he he can definitely put damage on the two. But I don't think he's going to be able to lock him down like that. And, you know, you could say, well, what did he do against... um, Cincinnati, well, he got a pick. He got two pass deflections there, and, and there was no, there's no AJ Green, so it didn't really, you know, it's it's not the same comparison here. So, um, but in the secondary, I think what's most telling is it's a secondary, um, that's not very good in Baltimore. Now it's better with Marcus Peters, but it wasn't very good for a while this season. And Marlon Humphrey was still was still consistently very good, shutting people down. That Cleveland Browns game, that defense sucked. That defense sucked, but he shut down Odell Beckham Jr. They couldn't go through Odell because Marlon shut him down. In a bad, We don't know what Stephon Gilmore would be like in a bad secondary. We don't know. Okay, We just flat out don't know. No one's ever experienced it because they have a good secondary. They got the McCourty brothers over there. I think they still got Harmon in there. They got Stephon Gilmore up in New England. I mean... It's a very good secondary. Patrick Chung, if he, I don't know, is he still suspended? Something like that. It's a very good secondary. But we don't know what Stephon Gilmore is going to do in a really bad secondary. He played for the Bills for a couple of years. He wasn't the best corner on the Bills. In the league. He was the best corner, I'm sorry. He was the best corner on the Bills. He wasn't the best corner in the league on the Bills. Now with the Patriots being talked about as the best corner. I'm not trying to rip on anybody. But, um, what was his name? Malcolm... Brown, something like that. Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler was a very good cornerback for the for the for the New England Patriots. I think he went to the Titans, one of those other teams. He's been decent, but he's not very good anymore. I mean, he had he came to prominence because of that pick he got, then became a starter and balled out. The Patriots have an outstanding system, but when you take Patriots players out of their system, they tend not to work a lot. I mean, just look at, what was it, Matt Castle had that fantastic year in 08, 09, something like that. I think it was 08. Goes to, to Kansas City, has like a good year or two, and then he flops. Guys who leave the Patriots system, for some reason, just don't tend to, to work out too well. Because it's that good of a system. So I don't know what Stephon Gilmore would be without the Patriots. And for that reason, because we know what Marlon Humphrey is, on a bad secondary, he's still a lockdown corner. He's the best corner in the league. He's better than Ramsey. He's better than Marcus Peters. I don't know anybody else he's, who, who can compare other than Gilmore. So thank you, Donovan, uh, for, for that question. Um, you know, that's a fantastic uh, question there about Stefan Gilmore comparing him to Marlon Humphrey. But at the end of the day, I think Marlon Humphrey is still a better corner. Let me know what you guys think, whether you agree with me. Any other questions you want to have? That's our only question for the week, but I would love to have other questions as well. I will answer anything you guys ask me. Um you know, the last thing I really want to talk about before we go into the Seattle Seahawks game here is Joe Flacco, believe it or not. I mean, this is a Ravens show. We have time for our elite former quarterback. But Joe Flacco had a very bad, not good day um, Thursday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. and I feel tremendously bad for the guy. And you can argue with me all you want. You know, Flacco was so bad. You know, he he just sucked against the 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 Kansas City Chiefs. He was so bad. Listen to me. 
when you get sacked seven times, six times in the first half, how many how many throws are you gonna make that are that are good? At the end of the day, he finished. Get this, twenty one for thirty four, two thirteen yards, sixty one point eight percent completion. So hold on a wait, wait a minute. Those aren't terrible stats. Six point three average. It's not great. Sacked eight times actually. I mean, a lot of them were checkdowns. Let's be real. But when you are sacked eight times in a game. Six of which, or maybe it was five, five or six that came in the first half. How long in the pocket are you going to sit there and wait for something to develop? Checking the ball down in that situation actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Because if you sit and wait in the pocket, you're just going to get demolished. You're going to die. I don't want Flacco dying on my watch. You know, it's absolutely ludicrous for me. That some people already are blaming him for all the Broncos' problems. Garrett Bowles has been terrible. Um, that offensive line is so bad that, I mean, it makes him want to come back to the Ravens. Those bad offensive lines, like 15 and 16 that he dealt with, yeah, he wants to come back to that. So it's really ridiculous. And and people are criticizing him. Well, he, he's, he's not mobile enough to, you know, he's not mobile. He's not mobile enough. He doesn't do things enough in the pocket. Wait a minute. Hold up here. Time out. You guys knew that Flacco wasn't mobile. No one ever said Flacco was mobile. Okay? Yeah, he's got a pair of wheels. When he takes off, he's got wheels. Let me tell you. When we see him rush in Baltimore, look up that video on YouTube. There's a video on YouTube that someone made, a highlight reel of him rushing. He's got wheels. Okay? But in all seriousness, Flacco is not the quarterback that's going to sit down and run away with the ball. He's 6'6". The dude runs like a 6-second 40. Where's he going to go? Everybody knew Flacco was immobile. And to blame him for getting sacked eight times in a game, while the offensive line, Garrett Bowles specifically, was getting held, uh, was, was, was being called for holding penalties, while letting Flacco get sacked on that left side. How are you going to blame Flacco for that? I mean, I know this is, this is a Ravens podcast, and he hasn't been on the Ravens since last year, but, I mean, these people are, are talking mad smack about Flacco and I I can't just sit here and let them say this about my guy he didn't play the best he didn't he needed a better game too many checkdowns some inaccurate throws here and there but his tight end Noah Fant two I think it was three perfectly thrown deep balls one of them was on a scramble that Flacco made okay he like threw sidearm into the guy's hands he put it right he put it down low so that way, the cornerback who was right in front of him couldn't pick it off, and it was right in Fant's hands, he drops it. Another one was a seam route, he dropped it. Another deep pass towards the end of the game, dropped. The only reliable receiver he had was Cortland Sutton. And Cortland Sutton's a very good receiver, I have to admit. But you can't run an offense through the air with just Cortland Sutton. What are they doing? They didn't even rush the ball enough. They have Philip Lindsay in the backfield, and they rushed for like 30 yards and when it counted. I don't know what the garbage time was. I turned it off early, I think. But still. I mean, what the heck? And I get it. He's not the most exciting quarterback right now. He looks like he's digressed. And he certainly looks like he doesn't want to be there. Can you blame the guy? I mean, seriously. Take the football aspect away. This dude was just chilling in Baltimore. And I love Lamar Jackson. But this dude was just chilling. And the Ravens were like, that offseason, they said, we have bigger fish to fry than finding Joe Flacco's successor. We're not even going to consider that. And then, like, two months later, they go out and they get a successor. And he's just chilling, like, wait, what, what? timeout. You just drafted a tight end. That's for That was for me. You know, like, people were saying, it looks like he doesn't want to be in Denver. He doesn't want to be in Denver. He never wanted to be in Denver. He wanted to be in Baltimore. What do you expect? He's not going to, he doesn't want to be there. I don't even think he wants to be playing football anymore. Honestly, especially after that night, I said, like, just look, dude, just just go retire. I mean, they don't need you. They're two and five. You know, just, just get up and leave because you're getting killed out there by a bad offensive line. You've been hurt too much before. You're like 35, 34 years old now. Just go home, spend time with your five kids, call it quits. That, that's what you should do at this point. 
but he won't, you know, and, and people will continue to criticize him, you know, he's, he doesn't say enough, he doesn't do anything, it's the exact way he was, it's not like you were drafting this, this, him as a 20 year old, 20 something year old like the Ravens did, and got a little surprised, the Ravens were pleasantly surprised by Flacco, you knew exactly what you were getting in Flacco, and if you can't tailor your offense around that, that's your fault, it's not Flacco's fault that the offensive line sucks, it's not Flacco's fault that Noah Fant can't catch a pass, Someone told me on Twitter, Noah can't, right? Noah can't instead of Noah Fant. Yes, it's Flacco's fault for the bad plays that he makes. Yes, it's Flacco's fault that he throws inaccurate passes. And yes, it's Flacco's fault when he checks it down when he shouldn't. But can you really blame the guy for everything that's wrong with this Broncos team? No. No. And people are trying to do it. And you know what? I just got to say, it doesn't make any sense. But I had to talk about it because he's our boy. Everybody knows that I'm a big Flacco fan. You know, my first quarterback, that's my quarterback. But, you know, Lamar, Lamar's cool. Lamar's our guy. Lamar's our guy right now. We'll we'll roll with Lamar now. Flacco, I love you so much. But right now you're better off over there than here because we got MVP candidate Lamar Jackson. That's one of the other things I want to talk about before we go. Lamar Jackson, people are talking for him for MVP. And look, some of you are going to be saying, well, I mean, he hasn't been the best quarterback, you know, since Arizona. Had a good week last week, but that's Cincinnati, so, you know, whatever. But he rushed for, what, 150 yards and, and passed for, like, 200? I mean, this dude is an all-purpose yards machine. I don't care at this point if he even throws the ball because he runs it so effectively. He could play running back for all I care. He's still going to amass these yards. Lamar Jackson is such a good total yards guy. That he definitely, honestly, I can see him winning MVP. He can win MVP. Because when you take into account his total yardage, by the end of the season, he's like on track for 5,000 total yards. I don't care if he throws for those yards. I don't care if he runs for those yards. Just get those yards. Get those touchdowns. Keep piling them up. Because we are entering an age of Ravens offense here, of NFL, where the quarterback doesn't need to be a pocket guy anymore. The Joe Flacco's are on the downswing. The Lamar Jacksons are on the upswing. When you have a guy that's so talented as Lamar, and he's proved a lot of us wrong. He's proved me wrong on nearly everything. I kept saying things turned out not to be true. All my predictions for Lamar, they're false. They were false. He's proved us all wrong. He is an MVP candidate now, and honestly, he can win it if he keeps racking up these yards and scores these touchdowns and leads the Ravens to victory. Now, speaking of victory, the Ravens are going to go out to the Seattle Seahawks den. The nest over in Seattle. A um, little bit of information about the Seattle opponent here. Seahawks are 5-1, and one, but they've only beat teams without a winning record. They beat Cincinnati, losing record. Pittsburgh, losing record. Arizona, losing record. Los Angeles Rams, 500 record. And the Cleveland Browns, obviously a losing record because, you know, Baker's having a bad year. And that whole team is kind of just falling apart now. But... Um, they have the fifth best offense in the league. Of course, the Ravens have the best offense, but Seattle gets an average of 399 yards per game. Um, interesting though, I mean, of course they got Chris Carson, they got Russell Wilson, they're a running team out there, but with a lot of passing too. Um, they can do a lot of everything. The Ravens though, for all things they've done wrong, fourth best rushing defense in the league. And I checked that this morning, I was like, that, that can't be right. But they only give up 80.7 yards per game on the ground, on average. Um, that's pretty darn good. I gotta say, that's that way better than I expected. Um, and, you know, with a stronger secondary and a pass rush, they'll be able to pick up their passing numbers here. And that's what's most important, um, in a passing league is getting those passing yards in. Because if you can stop the run, that's great. But if Russell Wilson's just gonna throw to Tyler Lockett on you all game, that ain't fun. Um, but Seattle's defense is having not a great year either. They're 20th overall in defense, giving up 359 yards uh, 359.8 yards per game. So, you know, right away, based on what we see here, they're going to be passing a lot. The Ravens going to be rushing a lot. This is going to be either an offensive shootout or an underwhelming game. And the reason I say that is because it can be a shootout if the Ravens start moving fast and passing more than running. But if the Ravens are sticking on the ground and run that time of possession, it's going to be a lot less scoring and, and missed opportunities going to be magnified. So it really could go either way, honestly. I'm not going to say it's a shootout. I'm not going to say it's an underwhelming scoring game, but it could go either way. Um, but there will be offensive yards on both sides of the f- of, of, of the field, I would imagine, on both sidelines. Um, 
but you know, importantly now, who is going to be out? Who's who's questionable and who's doubtful for the Seattle Seahawks? Uh, well, Titan Will Disley is out with an Achilles injury. He he's not playing. The Seattle Seahawks have ruled him out. Lano Hill safety is out or is doubtful, I should say, with an elbow injury. He did not participate in practice this week. Questionable players. Tackle Dwayne Brown, former Texan. He has a bicep injury. Uh, did not participate. Bradley McDougald, uh, safety. He has a back injury. Did not participate. Ziggy Ansah, the defensive end the Ravens almost signed from the Lions this offseason. Or at least there was talk about it. Uh, he uh, was limited in practice with an ankle injury. He's questionable. DJ Fluker, the guard. Hamstring injury is limited in practice. And finally, Quinton Jefferson, the defensive end. Um has an oblique injury. I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, but he is limited in practice, was limited in practice as well this week. Um, so with that being taken into account, I mean, the big big thing here is Ziggy Ansah, DJ Fluker, and Dwayne Brown. You got a pass rusher. One of their better pass rushers is out with an in, or could be out with an injury. And a Fluker and, and Dwayne Brown especially don't play. That could be a major problem for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, but again, the Ravens' pass rush is, is pretty lackluster this year, so maybe it isn't a big deal. But in the run game, at least, it would be in, run blo- in the run blocking scheme. So the, the Seattle Seahawks, we always finish the episode with three key players on the opposing team. This week it's Seattle. So who are the three players the Baltimore Ravens need to watch out for? They're all on offense because it's, it's probably going to be an offensive game here, um, dictated by the Ravens' tempo, of course. That's Russell Wilson is the first one. Russell Wilson is an MVP candidate. Obviously, he is completing 72.5% of his passes. He is the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Also, this year, 1704 completion. I'm um, no, sorry, 1704 yards, nine yards per attempt, 14 touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, it's been sacked 16 times though. Uh, but his quarterback rating is 124.7, so the Baltimore Ravens are really going to have a hard time against him. I'm telling you right now, guys, he is going to do some damage. The question is whether Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey and Brandon Carr are going to be able to pick up the slack on that. Russell Wilson will not be pressured. That's the problem. Can that trio of defensive backs, with Earl Thomas, of course, back there, who wants a revenge game, can those guys stop the passing attack? Honestly, I don't think so, because if there's not enough pressure, Russell Wilson is going to sit back there until Tyler Lockett or somebody else or DK Metcalf just gets open, and he's going to just going to chuck it, or he's going to run out and run it himself out of the pocket. It's just how he's going to operate. He's an MVP candidate for a reason here. 14 touchdowns, no interceptions. You tell me if Marcus Peters, I mean, maybe, maybe Marcus Peters, maybe Earl Thomas, maybe Jimmy, not Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, Brennan Carr, maybe they all do something crazy here. But I just don't see it. Not with the way the Ravens defense has been playing. Now you got Chris Carr, Kirsten in here, who's our second guy to watch. 118 carries, 504 yards on the ground, 4.3 average and two touchdowns. You know, he's a decent back, but he's not the best back in the world with that 4.3 average. The Ravens run defense is going to be important. Because they want to stop these guys in short yarder situations when they have the opportunity. To, they, if, 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 if Seattle starts passing on them well, they don't want them to run well. The Ravens are the fourth best pass. Um, sorry. Oh, I can't talk today. The Ravens are the fourth best run defense in the league statistically right now. As hard as it is to believe that, they are. Um, so beating Chris Carson to the punch would be very important for them to maintain that defensive prowess. Now, finally, Tyler Lockett is our last guy we're going to talk about. On the year, he's got 35 receptions, 454 yards, three touchdowns, and that's an average of 13 yards per reception. If you know what Tyler Lockett does, you know he's a speed guy, you know he's a downfield burner, good return man as well. He's the guy that Russell Wilson's going to look for the most, and Marlon Humphrey, assuming Marlon Humphrey covers Tyler Lockett, he's going to have to lock him down. Now, again, I don't think they're going to lock down this passing attack, I think Marlon Humphrey's going to have a good day. He'll probably lock down Lockett for the most part, unless they switch up, you know, quickly before they can they snap the ball. You know, put Lockett in someone else's zone. Um, but it's not going to be a fantastic day for this Ravens defense secondary. But Lockett, I imagine Marlon Humphrey should be able to take him down. So check out preview and predictions coming out later today or tomorrow on BaltimoreFeather.com. Again, this is Saturday, a day late, dollar short episode of the Talk Podcast, episode 49. Here we are wrapping up the episode. 
on time around 12.30, about an hour episode here. And again, some housekeeping things to close. Make sure you check out BaltimoreFeather.com. Sign up for the email news list if you are interested in getting the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens news and opinion articles every time they're published. You can also find Nest Talk at Nest Talk on Twitter or find us on Facebook. Just search up Nest Talk. You can search up the Baltimore Feather on Facebook as well or find us at Be More Feather on Twitter. You can find me at Chris Linfont on Twitter. That's just not just for Ravens, but of course, anything I want to talk about. But if you want just strict Ravens coverage, highly recommend doing at Be More Feather on Twitter. If you are listening on YouTube, subscribe, leave a comment. Questions, comments are always appreciated. Feedback as well. And if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you subscribe there and rate us if you are so inclined gives me a a valuable asset to know how much you guys like the podcast, how little you guys like the podcast, and of course, it helps other people see the podcast as well the more you rate it. Uh, thank you for listening to Nest Talk episode 49. We'll be, we will be back with our regularly scheduled episode next week, next week, next week, after the Ravens uh, defeat, hopefully defeat the Seattle Seahawks, and um, take on the bye week in stride, Looking on for those New England Patriots on the November 3rd game. That will be the game of the year, I would imagine. And we'll probably talk a little bit about that matchup. But, of course, we don't have everything to do in the bye week. But we'll fill the, inf- we'll fill the hour with great information, great news, great opinion opinions, and great talking on the Baltimore Ravens. And I look forward to seeing you all again next week. Take care, everyone.